Know what that means? Everything. Anglophies. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone full brigadoon. That just explains so much of my childhood to me. Research purposes. It's super important. I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of Anglophies. I'm Raiden. I'm Alina. And I'm Kaylee. Alina is covered in raspberry jam right now. Or something. We're not A little bit. Clear. <laughs> A little bit. Um, and we are here to talk about how the fall se TV season has shaped up. Um, because occasionally we repeat episode themes. Yay! It's November! Because uh, how will our listeners know what to watch if we don't tell them? Exactly. Exactly. We're here for you. We're here for you. Um, before we get into that, though, we are happy to announce that Made of Fail has had a change in upper management. In this, we've known about this for a couple of months now, um, but they announced a couple of weeks ago and the official episode that handed the reins from Dana and Kevin over to Cleolinda Jones and Emily uh, Horsthouse uh, was released uh, this morning as of this recording. This morning and being Saturday. Saturday the 22nd. Something. I'm unemployed right now. Time has no meaning to me. <laughs> um, so that has happened. We are thrilled to welcome our new corporate overlords. We're sad to see Dana leave the flagship podcast, but she is still producer and Kevin is still founder and executive producer emeritus or something. Uh, you can still yell at him on Twitter. Because <laughs> God knows we will and do a lot. So, yay! Changes in the Made of Fail family. Change is good. Hopefully. Something. Of course it is. There is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> what was that, Kaylee? said that change is good in the Lion King, so I'm gonna well, go with there that. there you go. There you go. Hakuna Matata. We are excited that our aunties are taking over the podcast after mom and dad had to sort out some things and split it apart, but they still love us and it's not our fault. <laughs> they told we'll us still see fault. them at the holidays. It will be a very cordial thing. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking of that beginning of Practical Magic. When they move in with their aunts and it's like, do whatever you want. Chocolate for dinner. Auntie Cleo, can we talk about cannibalism again? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Emily, will you do your Deadpool voice for us? <laughs> Auntie Emily is Deadpool on Twitter. Yep. For those who are not aware. Uh, I think... 
that covers that. Was there any other housekeeping we wanted to do before we delve into... There is no life, only Dragon Age. (laughs) Dragon Age Inquisition has finally come out. Came out on Tuesday. I... It's massive. I'm barely into like the beginning of the main storyline and already the world is too massive to do anything. It's amazing, you guys. If you want to talk to me about it, tweet me so I can... <laughs> I probably will not respond because I will be playing it, but it's nice to know other people are playing it too. Someday she... Sometimes she sticks her head up to record a podcast. <laughs> it, it, Raiden literally pulled me out of the game because I forgot... <laughs> <laughs> I was in the middle of a dialogue wheel. I was like, I have to. I cannot save right now. I have to finish this. Yeah. All right. So, Fall TV. We had a bunch of new shows. We've had a couple of cancellations already. Where do we want to start? I think you just say it has been a, an underwhelming season so far. Uh, and being, we actually in the UK have been able to keep up with most of it around the same time as America, which is a pretty recent development over the past couple of years, thanks to expanding um, digital TV packages and such. But there's only a couple things I'm really keeping up with, um, and none of them are really, and I don't really have the enthusiasm for them that I have for something like like what we did for Hannibal or or Orphan Black, even. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the one that I'm really keeping up with, um, which I'm mostly enjoying, is Gotham on Fox. Yeah. It's on Channel 5 here. They put a big budget behind promoting this. You know, this was the, the big import of the season for UK TV. Because it, it's Batman. Well, it's kind of Batman. It's kind of Batman. In fact, to remind I, I... you every single episode that there will be Batman sometime in the future. Um, I, I need to talk about this week's episode of Gotham because there were things I was not okay with. Well, I haven't got that far yet. But you can spoil it if you want for me because um, I'm not watching this I am not on board with, you know, baby Batman, baby Catwoman, preteen romance. I don't need, like, a high school AU. My issue with that is there's... I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Every line in this show, every piece of dialogue is a tagline. Everyone speaks like it's going to be the poster quote for the movie. So basically everything young Bruce Wayne says is some variation of I must become some kind of revenge-seeking man back. Although Alfred be like, I, I encourage you in this vigilante. <laughs> I mean, it's also Sean Pertwee who plays Lestrade in Elementary. Yeah. He's very much the, the Michael Caine vein of Alfred. Oh, you know, yeah, you feel like he could kill. And I like that. I mean, he is one of the things that really works for the show for me. I like that he and um, Jim Gordon have that sort of semi-crime adoptive dad thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. It's got about, there are like six plot lines going on in this show that could all be their own separate show. You need to cut about two of them. Cut Selena entirely. Mm Mm-hmm. Keep Bruce, young Bruce to a minimum, because really you can only go so far with that until he is an adult. Yeah. Um, And quite frankly, all of the young Bruce stuff is boring as hell, and it just brings the whole momentum to a crashing halt like I want more Alfred but less Bruce and I don't think I can have both of those things uh, one of my co-workers described it well they keep on trying to merge Gossip Girl with Criminal Minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, that which, you know right. what I think the CW 
might have the weird alchemy to maybe try and pull that off, but Fox can't do that. Yeah, I feel like a, a different showrunner could do wonders with this, because there are so many elements that are really fascinating. I love the fact that it does have at least a certain, certain focus on the criminal underworld of Gotham and the battles going on between them. And you have Fish Mooney, who's played by Jada Pinkett Smith, who's having the time of her life. Oh, I hope to one day be as happy as she is just playing that character. They're, if there is scenery, she'll chew it. And she is Their penguin it. is really good. Where did they find him? Because that casting director needs a medal. He's played by Robin Lord Taylor, who I've never seen anything before, but he looks so perfect for that role, and he is. He is the best thing about it. If this entire show was The Adventures of Oswald Cobblepot, The Incompetent Cycle, it would be the best <laughs> show on TV. Yes. Because he's he's so in training to be the criminal underworld, he's just not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> but, yes. I mean, there are and... other things that, I mean, they hinted at Poison Ivy in the pilot. I haven't seen up to where it is. Well, America. they called her Ivy Pepper. Uh, oh. Like, why is she there other than, hey, look who's here? Because the moment, I mean, bringing in young Bruce, that was going to be an issue enough. But when you bring in young Selena and young Ivy as well, why? Yeah, no, there's... Other than to say, look, they're there, we haven't forgotten about it. We know you haven't. I mean, you have enough trust in your viewers to get the job done. I don't. I also think uh, the Riddler, Edward Nigma, isn't entirely necessary as this sometime coroner or medical examiner or whatever he is. Yeah, but he entertains yeah. the hell out of me, so... I, I really want an episode where he just sits and tell, tries and, all these riddles, and then Oswald just has no idea what he's talking oh, about. Oh. So, like, sprays him with mace. Did you guys play this week's drinking game? Drink every time Harvey Dent says bet. <laughs> it would have destroyed your liver, but now we know. Harvey Dent likes to bet on things and flip coins. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. I don't think they trust viewers enough with this material. The thing about Batman, he's probably the most... Ubiquitous? Uh, he is the most ubiquitous superhero, maybe after Superman, in terms of the wider world, mm-hmm. of all of those villains and the, the ensemble. Because we've had all of these movies, we've had the TV show with, you know, Adam West, we've had video games, all of the comics, everyone knows who these characters are, and if they don't know the inner workings and the finer details, they have the basic elements of them, so they know that Oswald Cobblepot is going to be the Penguin, they know that Edward Nicholas is going to be the Riddler. You don't have to have him say every sentence as, I have a riddle for you, you don't have to have every single thing that Bruce does be hinting at the fact that he's going to be Batman one day. It's just the laziest kind of writing, and I still enjoy the show, and there's something very watchable about a lot of it, mostly the acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if they don't put enough trust in their viewers, people are going to jump ship very quickly. You know where the lost opportunity is here? What Christopher Nolan's movies never seem to understand is that Batman is the world's greatest detective. His comics are called detective comics. Mm-hmm. And those movies were never about him detecting anything. It's always about him punching stuff. Yeah. And we don't need watching young Bruce learn to punch things but we could really probably be interested in watching young Bruce learn how to be a detective. Well, we we do see that with he's got his his murder wall set up. Right, but we know that's the one crime he never solves, so maybe... Yeah. Murder wall, is he young Brian Fuller? Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, there's a man that could do wonders. Okay, I have a question. The Barbara Renee potential of triangles, does that evolve throughout the show? This week. Ending oh. scene. I just, I love the fact that Renee is in the show. Mm-hmm. I think she's a great character. 
I don't want her to be reduced to just being that role because she's so much more interesting than that. That's the thing, every character she... in the Batman ensemble is so much more interesting than they're getting the chance to be, except for Oswald, who's awful. Right. <laughs> what, what is happening right there? Kaylee's moving huh? furniture. That's what it sounds like. Sorry, I'm on my bed. Uh, okay. I'm so on my lap. So I'm kind of <laughs> gestating wildly with my exasperation. It was awesome. Okay. <laughs> it would but be a wonderful interpretive dance. There would I need... be bat wings. Light up the sky. I need to do I a thing on Alfred. Because Alfred shocked me. Okay, well, it's kind of like, well, if this is Alfred, then we know where Bruce got fucked up. And it wasn't with his parents' murder. It was so much with the guy who, instead of helping him process the, the, the rage inside him, went, you can direct it at killing people. Now, that would be an interesting subplot, but I have no mm-hmm. idea if they're actually going to delve into that. There's no... They are so afraid of complexity, it feels like. Yeah. And, yeah. you know... That you're always going to have this core base that's going to watch that show. A lot of them will be pissed off Devin Carsey at Badass Digest says it's the worst thing to happen to Batman since Joel Schumacher, which I don't agree with. Because yeah. Zack no, Snyder, that, have that, bar, that bar is so high. I know. And we haven't seen what Zack Snyder's done yet, so, you know. <laughs> well, I don't think it's the worst. I just I feel like there are so many missed opportunities. Um, and I, I wonder how much of this is network meddling. I think probably a decent amount. I don't... I mean, it's Fox. Fox is pretty well known for their network meddling. Yeah. And we're... How many episodes are we in? I think about ten. About ten? Well, it's about time for them to... to let the show off the leash, if historical precedence holds. They have already renewed it for a second season, so maybe once they said, look... This is Batman. We know you guys. You know we're going to at least have a core fan base that's dedicated enough to keep it in that time slot for a couple of years, maybe. Just have some fun with it. I mean, Batman is always seen as the less fun DC character, even though a lot of the stories are fun, and I would like to see them let that operation a little bit as well. Yeah. He doesn't need to be so brooding all the time. I got so tired of that in A Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I love how many of my friends have finally accepted it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> like you have to come to it slowly. And this time next year, we'll have that discussion with Interstellar. But that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about <clears throat> Gotham, and my kind of overarching thought on it, is that it, unlike Smallville, uh, Gotham, which was, you know, the, the Superman origin story, um, the only thing it was constrained by it is by the X season, he has to become Superman. Gotham has a very particular problem, and that is its hero is Jim Gordon, and its hero is going to fail. Because if Jim Gordon cleans up Gotham, then there is no Batman. But we know there is a Batman. Batman comes back to a city ruled by criminal supervillain overlords. This means the hero of the Gotham TV show, Jim Gordon, is going to fail. And I don't know that the show is ready to understand and negotiate that. I think they're going to think about it, you know, in season five or six, well, wherever they get there, right? But I think the pacing is going to be a big issue with this show. Because if they're hoping for a Smallville length run, which was about nine, ten seasons, yeah. you could actually have that progression from having Jim Gordon be this incredibly passionate and idealistic 
hero and have him slowly descend into someone who still believes in the greater good but is so worn down by the reality of the world he lives in and has to negotiate and he does have to do dirty things in order to accomplish what he sees as the greater good and how that affects him. And I guess what, if you've read the comics and you've seen storylines like that, I don't think they've read many of the comics, the people who are running the show. I feel like they've seen the movies and they have like cliff notes and that's it. And I can understand wanting to have some distance because there are so many storylines, there are so many versions of those characters that are written by different people, some of them are darker than others, some of them are more palatable for us, a network TV show. But there's no consistency. And I'm making this sound like the worst show ever, it's not, there is still a lot to, to like. It looks great, I love that they have this almost timeless setting, you know, that Gotham could be anywhere, really. Oh, the set dressing is incredible! Yeah, kind of reminds me of Caprica, the Battlestar Galactica prequel. It, it seems a little, it seems very crime noir influenced at times, which mm. I really like. Which it should be! It's Batman! Yeah! I would oh. love to see a full-on crime noir TV show of, of Gotham. Yeah. We haven't talked about this, but we sh- I don't think we should move on before talking about Donald Logue. Just mentioning his uh, Harvey Bullock. I have Bullock. loved him ever since Grounded for Life. So, I he is I think he's perfect. He he plays uh Jim Gordon's partner who in the first few episodes seems kind of steeped in the corruption, but by now you find out that he used to be Jim Gordon. He used to be young and idealistic and the city has worn him down. I think the show overall is impeccably cast mm-hmm. in terms of people who just they fit the role so well. That's one of the reasons I love Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald. Not only does he look the part, but the way he moves, the smile, the, the sniveling, groveling that he does. It's and so Carol awesome. and Carol Kane is his mother, is his <laughs> crazy ass mother. <laughs> also, you know, I, I I I whine about the kids in this, but I think that the girl that they've cast is Selena looks, you know, pretty spot on for that character. I just think she's entirely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the boy that cast for Bruce, on the other hand, I, he's gotten a little better, but in the first few episodes, like, he was so bad, you guys. He was the worst. He was just sort of yeah. there. I wouldn't have minded if they'd written him as being a little more, of, you know, of his age, but because he's supposed to be so mature... I don't think the actor can quite carry that. And that's not really his fault. He isn't given that much to work on. I don't think he seems to be given much direction other than, you're going to be Batman one day. Go with it. Yeah. Trump yeah, although, I mean, as much as the budding teenage romance storyline is annoying, he did convey, um, oh my God, I have my first boner and I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't acting. Maybe it just happened. Is that... <laughs> Of the comics, that seems to be Bruce's entire attitude to sexually Batman. Is I have a boner and don't know what to do. <laughs> so, so that, I'm, I'm upset. I mean, I'm going to continue watching the show. My dad is watching the show now, so I'm always really interested to hear what my dad thinks because he likes Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the few superheroes he really does like. He likes the Man of Steel, though, so you know his opinion is not trustworthy. Well, parents can't be right. perfect. That's not right. Speaking of superheroes, has anyone watched The Flash? Yes. Uh, I've seen the pilot, and I have episodes three through whatever we're up to on the TiVo. I cannot get Hulu to play episode two for me, and I'm so angry. <laughs> so I'm actually going to have to give Amazon money to buy it, and I'm mad. 
Yeah, I'm I'm fully caught up on that. <laughs> Been watching it. Uh, Greg Berlanti seems to be in charge of every TV show now. Because <laughs> he's doing the Supergirl TV show, I believe. Oh my god. Is it on the CW? I believe CBS won't have. Oh. Because it's interesting if they're going to expand kind of the CW family of shows because, in my opinion, they're clearly going towards a big Flashpoint paradox that will probably just affect that little universe. And as of now, that's just Arrow and Flash, so... I am weirdly impressed with the CW for the past couple of years. They at least seem to know what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're putting some interesting shows forward. I've only seen the pilot of Jane the Virgin. I think it was an incredibly genius move for them to get that show on the air. It, it, it's pure telenovela, but it is, like, crack. <laughs> I've really heard so many good things about it, and it's on my list of shows to catch up on. I just, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I really want to stress the yet, and please, everybody, stop yelling at me. I will watch it. I will. It is, I I will watch the rest eventually. I really like the pilot. If you don't know what the show is about, it is about a young woman called Jane, who, through a a series of entirely improbable circumstances, is artificially inseminated by a doctor during a checkup, of course, and even though she is a virgin, and she decides to keep the baby, and there's problems with who the donor turns out to be. I'll leave it there. But it, this is a show that knows exactly what it is. And it is dedicated to milking every moment out of that silliness. There's some heart there. Some surprising heart, actually. It's also just ridiculous. I mean, there, if you liked Ugly Betty, I think this is in many ways a little more sturdy than Ugly Betty was. At mm. least in that in that pilot. But, I understand it is a remake of the actual telenovela. I, I don't yes. want Yeah, it is a remake of a telenovela, which is why I think it's kind of a spiritual successor to Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty was like a successful experience of importing a telenovela to, you know, American TV. And that probably paved the way for other, you know, for them going, huh, there's this whole like ripe field of ideas we can plunder. It's a nice, it's a fun show. It is one that is not afraid to be entirely melodramatic, which I admire, because I think so many shows are so steeped in puffy seriousness. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Gotham. Yeah. And it is just nice to have that break. So I will eventually catch up on it. There's just so much TV to catch up on. It's which true. is strange, because even for a, a, a pretty lackluster uh, fall season, there is still some great points. I feel like I mean, we were talking a, about The Flash. A lackluster fall season, but it's a really full one. Hmm. So there are still that we have cancelled quite a bit already, and it, it, it seems like such a drop in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, which you know is impressive. Like all of my new shows for the past couple of years have at least survived the full season, and most of them survived to be renewed. So uh, I've had to drop a few things just because of time. <laughs> also, HGTV won't watch itself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can do my whole bathroom by myself right now. I can't. I, can't. I feel like I could. Anyway, I'm the sorry. Flash. We were talking, we're talking about, about the Flash. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, 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 
The Flash has really good potential. Once again, I've only seen the pilot. The that Flash also knows it's going to be fun. It's it's funny because um, to me, okay, there's a thing about CW is that they're they're going after a particular demographic in terms of ages. That's why you know all the characters are always in that 20 to 25. The main characters, right? Like the 20, 25, 28 ish, I think at most, like age range, because um, <clears throat> that's what the CW is. It's meant for like a teen demographic originally, so they they make sure everybody's younger. But it does interesting things to characters, and it, I don't think it was quite as obvious in the Arrow as it is in the Flash, because in the Flash you have characters who are lead scientists and chief engineers on a project, and these people are 22, 23 years old, and I'm going, no. I don't care how many of you are geniuses who graduated MIT at 17, just like this, no. <laughs> and it's unlike Arrow, which didn't have, so, because, you know, Arrow was okay because they introduced Oliver Queen as like this rich playboy who only ever lived on like daddy's money and didn't care. And so like a lot of his circle was that, right? They weren't 22-year-old like directors of labs. But in The Flash they are. And it's it was it's something that in the first few episodes you really had to get over and for for me anyway, to, you know, to get into the show. That said, there were Things about the show I enjoy. I enjoy um, when when shows uh, show like adopted parents parent um, child relationships, and this one has that because um, it the hinge here is the murder of his mother, but his father went to jail, so he was adopted uh, by his best friend's uh, family, who also happens to be kind of the lead detective on the case the father so he's got this kind of relationship with his two fathers so to say the one in prison who you know he knows is innocent and still believes in and the man who raised him and they had like this really fraught conversation in one of the very early episodes about like you're not really my dad but then he was like i'm so sorry because <laughs> he keeps on flashing back to all the, all the things this man did right. for him and all the lessons sorry, he taught him it was a dick thing for me to say it was really a dick thing because the show in my opinion really clearly said like kind of says these guys are superhero partly because this really honorable cop, you know, who who is like out there saving people raised him. Mm-hmm. Now, why would you run into a burning building? Well, that's what you did. Right. <laughs> so that relationship is really nice. <laughs> the he's pining after his designated love interest. I, okay, just like in Arrow, the relationship with Laura and the Black Canary. And we will talk about this because, oh my god, shoot me. <laughs> doesn't work because I don't think the casting worked. Like, they don't have chemistry. You know, Flash did the same thing. Well, in the comics, he has Iris West as his love interest. So who's our Iris West? This girl. So now he's going to pine after her. And I'm like, I see no romantic potential in this relationship. It's just, to me, this is the one thing that consistently fails to be imported from comics to TV. It, because in comics, you don't have to have chemistry. You can just draw them being in love. Mm-hmm. On TV, the actors have to have chemistry in order for us to want them to be together. And these actors, I think, are doing great as adopted siblings. Yeah. It takes some. It takes some serious chemistry to translate that to have that relationship evolve into sexual chemistry. Mm-hmm. If you haven't got the right hair, so. Yeah, I mean, they're very pretty. They're both very pretty. We like pretty people. That's not the problem. Right. Right. And the CW is very, very, very good at finding pretty people. 
and they're pretty good at finding pretty people who can act. Like, I never would have expected Leighton Meester to be as good an actress as she turned out to be on Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. And I never expected that Blake Lively would be such an excellent Martha Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever have you seen her website? No. Is, oh, she she really likes the antebellum set. Oh god. So yeah, that's the Flash. It's like I said, it it's fun. Uh, it's got some good, you know, setup for kind of the arc mystery. I think they're doing really good, interesting things. Enough to hold your attention. Um, and uh, kind of, you know, worthy successor kind of to the Arrow and, and continues, continuing that universe. So, very watchable, I would say. <clears throat> More shirtless training montages. Just, just in general. <sighs> just, just yeah, the, is it relevant to your show? No? Who cares? Hey, season three of Hannibal's oh. gonna have him on a motorbike, okay? Yeah. I think in leather, in actual leather on a motorcycle. Like, Brian Fuller just kind of had this neon flashing sign, fan service. <laughs> I really feel like that sign just says Fuller service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a gas station full service pun somewhere in there, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm sure Kevin will find it. <laughs> He'll email it to us. Um... But yeah, and is there's a third comic book show that's new this season? That's Constantine, and I think it's just the three, right? Gotham, Gotham Flash, Constantine. I think so. I I haven't watched Constantine yet. I'm too scared. <laughs> it's it's oh. it's not as bad as it could be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for interested listeners, the Made of Fail boys have been doing weekly recaps. Not the Made of Fail boys. Oh, I'm sorry. The Matter of Taste boys. It starts with they an M. They made a field, boys, as well. They could. Sorry. Sorry, boys, sorry. It's I I started with an M, and my brain just filled in the blank. Autofill. Auto yeah, my no, autofill has not adjusted. That is not what I meant. I never mean duck. Ever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Constantine. Um, It's gotten bad. It's basically a show that had two pilots, which is, I think, one of the problems. So if you start from the beginning, you kind of have to live through pilot, repilot, mm-hmm. and then shows kind of finds its footing. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely going through some growing pains, and I think some of them are probably network-induced, and some of them are just showrunners trying to figure out what they're doing. They're they're doing a lot of case and monster of the week stuff, so it feels like even though Constantine was doing this before Supernatural, it feels kind of like in show terms they're just doing a supernatural type thing. Oh. And it really does not help that the cast from Supernatural, I'm looking at you, Jared Paladaki, or however the fuck you pronounce your name. <laughs> is going on about how, oh, look, you've got this guy in a rumpled trench coat and a loose tie, and it's it's Castile, the show. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's some other knockoff when... Uh, learn your fucking history. Wow. Today. Learn your fucking history. And wow. Learn maybe not how to set your fans off, except he did that on purpose. He did that on purpose. There's no way he didn't... He doesn't no. know what his fans do. 
I'm scared of Supernatural fans. They're like Christopher Nolan fans, but younger and weirder. Younger and weirder, with more time on their hands. More tumblers, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, more tumblers. <laughs> I will say that my big issue with Constantine for it, I haven't seen it, but David Ost S. Goyer needs to get the hell away from DC. He is a micromanaging twit who, who if he is given the chance between going for serious artistic merit and the cash, he's going to go for the cash. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that to an extent. But after what happened with Man of Steel, I have very little hope in that man. And, you know, because we can't just pin that all on Snyder. Just after everything he said about She-Hulk as well, I'm mm. really incredibly pissed off. Mm. <clears throat> and then that isn't even getting into, well, Constantine, we can't have him smoking and we can't have him be a bisexual character because, ah, he's only here's the funny part <clears throat> is they said that and then episode two totally shows him smoking on camera mm-hmm. <laughs> so really it's just being bisexual that they don't want to show because they it's funny they, they had this thing where well we can kind of film around him smoking like we can film ashtrays full of cigarettes and things like that so but what they actually film is him holding a cigarette and stubbing it out, and then walk. And they film them smoking from behind. Mm-hmm. So apparently that was acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I think Matt Ryan looks so much like Constantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need them to it's like take the coat and run it over with the truck a couple of times because it's it looks like very carefully, artfully rumpled. <laughs> now I'm remembering that Robert Pattinson just, quote. Yeah, exactly. It looks kind of it, like disheveled pretentiousness. Yeah, he was like... To take the coat and run it over with a truck and have somebody put it on and roll around in a mud pit and just make it look like it's actually lived in as opposed to looking like he's sort of a Constantine cosplayer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that character-wise, I think he makes a good Constantine. I think the show doesn't quite have the levels of dirtbagness that Constantine can have. Um, last night's episode was kind of an incoherent mess where you just had to sort of accept a whole bunch of leaps of logic on a lot of people's parts. The one before that, which is was actually based on a comic book storyline, was probably the best. So far, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I just love Matt Ryan's face. I think, I think he has a really kind of weathered, lived-in face <laughs> that can convey a lot, and I kind of... I like what he does with that. And I like Zed the, uh, the replacement checked a lot better than I liked the other one from the pilot I I don't see I really wanted to love her I was all set to adore her and I don't know if it's the writing or the acting I think mostly the writing at least in the first parts but uh, mm, yeah, I think but... they're forcing like trying to force sexual tension where it doesn't belong I, I agree with that and anyone who's giving the show a shot, so Kaylee, the episode that takes place in the Virginia coal mines is terrible. It is awful. You are correct. 
force yourself through it. Ugh, that episode. I think this is one of the issues with network, well, network TV in particular, is that you, you do, it, organically you need time to go and find your footing on the show, but audiences are getting more and more impatient these days. There are more channels, there are more shows, there are more means of viewing. You don't yeah. really have that chance anymore. Yeah. Which isn't really unfair, but, you know, we're busy people. We're busy, important people. We have lots of things to watch. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for your, um, we're, we're trying to think of a terrible show that's just been cancelled. I was going to say Mysteries of Laura, but that got renewed. Which, Which I don't you even know to, why. But if you listen to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, Linda Holmes refers to it as Cop Mom Mom Cop. Yeah, <laughs> <And she has laughs> for it and everything. Horrible. I am amazed that she existed in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> she's a detective, but she's also a mom. How does she balance her wacky life? <laughs> Spoiler, she kind of doesn't because she's terrible at both. I know the show thinks she's good at both, but she is not. Oh, NBC, one day you will find proper shows. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah. thank you for reading Hannibal. NBC had their heyday, and it's over. I'm just, I'm just looking at their, their 2014-15 lineup. It is not good. Heroes is coming back. <laughs> because, okay. Their State of Affairs, which is the Catherine Heigl scandal homeland fan fiction. We'll get there. Which we'll get to. I haven't seen it, but we have reason for that. There is Marry Me, which is Ken Marino and Casey Wilson, where I like both of them. Which I believe is one of the few shows that did get picked up. There's Bad Judge, which is cancelled already, so <laughs> there. Um, they're doing The Slap, which is an adaptation of an Australian novel, which was already made into a BBC series. But, you know, I was going to say you don't need to be translated. Maybe you just like the accents. You know, mm-hmm. it needs to be American. And really, that there's not much else. There's a couple other comedies. Um, something called Aquarius, which I'm clicking on now. Ah, David Duchovny, uh, the detective, who behaves like a hippie and will lead him to the investigation of Charles Manson. Oh, that could actually be really interesting. Mm. Given everything that's gone on recently, you've already got the... Yes, but the N- you know what NBC does have? Graham. Well, NBC does have Grimm, but we're not talking about that. Mm. Or that's not what I was going to mention. What NBC does have is on December 4th, they will be doing a live production of Peter Pan with Christopher Walken as Captain <laughs> Hook. And it's going to be a hot-ass mess. And it's going to be the best night on Twitter ever. It's going to be like Sharknado, but with glitter. With glitter and dancing. songs and dancing. I swear there is literal jazz hands in it. I have seen clips of the rehearsal, and there is Christopher Walken who is not even trying. Not even. And he is surrounded by very happy Broadway actors who are waiting for their big gig, and they're waving their hands and tapping their feet. And Christopher Walken's just like, "Where's my cue card?" Yes. Remove all the full stops from that. I don't need to read them. Even like this, this, even the publicity films have been amazing. Alison Williams is is not a good actress. No. no. I don't like girls, I've said that several times, so I'm not the most unbiased person here, but she is not a good actress. There is a black hole of charisma sucking around her that is so large, Christopher Nolan's going to make a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the costuming looks so cheap. I, this is being made on the cheap. 
so they can get maximum accomplishment. Because The Sound of Music Live got something like 16 million viewers. Because there are a lot of people in the world who like to watch train crashes, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like us. I mean, if I'm not working that night, I'm staying up to watch it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be the best <laughs> night on Twitter ever. Remember Sound of Music last year? This is going to be better. <laughs> or worse. The thing and... about Sound of Music was at least they surrounded Carrie, what's your face, some real Broadway stars. There was like Audra McDonald in that. Yeah, Audra McDonald and Laura Bernardi, who I think introducing those Broadway stars to a non-Broadway centric audience was a brilliant move. I'm looking at the cast. Um, Alison Williams is Peter Pan, Christopher Walken is Captain. Kelly O'Hara is Mrs. Darling. She is a wonderful Broadway star. Christian Barl is Mr. Snee, which is actually pretty decent casting. He was um, he was in Smash, but we'll, we'll forgive him for that. But he's also a Broadway star. And then there's some unknowns. And then the adult Wendy narrator is Minnie Driver. Who I like. Well, there you go. But they do not have an <clears throat> Audrey McDonald here. You know, Alfie Williams, you are going to have to fly high and save this on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be so good. <laughs> are, aren't they planning on doing other musicals as well? <clears throat> do like, we get one every year? <clears throat> I heard they want to do the music, man. Yeah, I think this is something NBC is going to be trying in their... I mean, we'll see how, how Peter Pan goes, but I think this is something that they're going to be trying to do certainly every holiday season. They're going to do The Music Man in 2015, and they're also going to do a live production of A Few Good Men, which is the Aaron Sorkin play. Which Ooh! That could be fun, depending on who's in it. I, I, will, I will say I think that could be interesting. I would be interested in seeing The Music Man done well, or done, because I think <laughs> it's a really great musical. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic. Hey, Raul Esparza, put your name forward. Oh. Already on two NBC shows. Go for it. Speaking of Peter Pan, uh, one of the new web shows I found this year was The New Adventures of Peter Pan and Wendy. Okay. It is magical, and I was obsessed with it for, like, the day that I binge-watched it. <laughs> no, I'm still obsessed with it, but I'm waiting for season two, which they, uh -huh. I think, kickstarted and they got the money, so they're going ahead. But, um... It's not part of like the fan, the Pemberley Digital shows, but the main actor who plays It's Peter Pan was in one of those. So mm -hmm. I think maybe he got kind of ideas or maybe even the connections to, to make this happen. Um, it's pretty well done. So it's 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 in that vein of like video diary-ish kind of show, except uh, Wendy has a video diary, which accounts for part of the episodes. The other part of the episodes is Tinkerbell. So it's set in kind of real worldish Neverland is a small town a small American town and everybody's you know everybody's real people there's no magic except then it pans to Tinkerbell and for a moment you're like is Peter Pan a schizophrenic with delusions is that what <laughs> the show and then everybody else starts talking to Tinkerbell and you realize no the show is set in real America except Tinkerbell appears to be an actual fairy and she's a point of view almost like the camera first person point of view it's amazing. Okay. 
and it's pretty well written and it's pretty funny. Um, like I said, it will only take because it's one of those web shows with shorter episodes. It's not going to take long to marathon the first season, but it's like such a surreal experience once you realize what Tinkerbell is. All right, we'll definitely include a link of link to that in the show notes. I can't talk. I think it's just an example of the, of the expansion of um, creative output that you're getting outside of network TV. It's not just you know satellite and mm-hmm. cable, and it's making all of the interesting TV now. It's going onto Netflix, it's going onto Hulu and Amazon, it's going onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein the, the was show that really stood out for me this season was on Amazon, which was transparent. Parent, yeah. I heard really good things about that. Yeah. I, heard... I haven't finished watching it yet, but it is so well done. And I'm so glad that, that you know Amazon have put it there because I don't think you would have got this on I don't think even HBO would have done it. To be honest. Probably not. So, so do you guys realize it took me like three weeks to realize transparent was a pun? It took me about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my, oh, I oh. It. It's, and it, it is a very interesting show, not just because of the subject matter, which is these three incredibly selfish people who find out that their dad is a transgender woman and she is now going to live publicly as a woman. But it's also very... It, it's steeped in indie film sensibilities. So if you ever watched what is usually termed mumblecore. It's not quite mumblecore. The sound mixing is, is far too good for it to be called that, but it has that very natural, almost improvised feel to it, which I think it really works. And I love that they are willing to have these three, the three kids who are played by Amy Landecker, J. Duplass, and Gabby Hoffman, who's wonderful, and just have them be horrible people. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it's not that they're, they're still interesting. They're often very sympathetic and relatable, but they're <laughs> Particularly Josh, who's the um, the son, played by J. Duplass, who is a, a music producer who likes to sleep with women that are just the women they're sleeping with. And mm. he's so arrogant and so selfish. And you want to punch him in the face so many times. But he's also just very interesting to watch. And I think Jeffrey Tambor is doing the work of his career, playing Bora, mm-hmm. uh, her name is. And I understand the. I, I'm not the best person to be talking about depictions of transgender people on television, but I've never seen something that has tackled the public transition from the beginning in the way that this show has done. And mm-hmm. I think that Tambor is so perfect for that role. Because uh, it is based on Jill Soloway's real life. Her dad did transition um, publicly into a woman after many, many, many years of living as a man. And you do feel that very personal element to it. Mm-hmm. I, I do need to finish watching it. Real life and adult food have gotten away. But I, I hope that more people watch it. I don't know how many people are watching it because it's streaming on Amazon. They are not, you know, they're not obliged to release their viewing figures in the same, you know, Netflix don't need to do it either. So mm-hmm. millions of people could be watching this or 12. I don't know. <laughs> But the, the critics have all loved it, and I hope that helps. And they've been given a... You know, they're actually publicizing it a lot on British TV, but the one that's being pushed more is their other show, Alpha House, the one with all the senators, which I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a question. You just mentioned that the viewer, they're not 
um, they don't need to release viewership numbers, but I can't remember. Do these shows qualify for Emmys and other awards? Yeah. Sure, yeah. do. I mean, yeah. Orange is the New Black got a bunch of Emmy this... nominations. So. And that's a Netflix original, you're right, so yeah, they yeah. should. Whether or not it would do well is another question, because the, the voting pool for things like the Emmys tend to be old, straight, white dudes who have just discovered AMC. So... <laughs> On the other hand, it is uh, about, you know, an older person. I, I wonder so if that the, would tilt in its favor. Yeah, I wonder if they'll feel yeah. like, well, at least like it also has questions of aging and dealing with grown-up kids. Which is one of the other things I think it does really well. You also have Maura's ex-wife, who's played by Judith Light, who is doing the semi-bitter, but also just equally exasperated and exhausted by the entire situation, particularly her kids. I think Gabby Hoffman is wonderful as well. She, you don't see people who look like Gabby Hoffman on television very often. Mm-hmm. She has the most wonderfully unkempt eyebrows. <laughs> and, and she looks like someone you would see walking on the street. Mm-hmm. Know, she's, not, she's not TV ugly. She's not ugly. She is not an unattractive woman. But she is not princed and polished to an inch of her life. She looks authentic, and I really like that. So everyone should watch Transparent. I believe it has already been renewed. And Amazon are clearly betting high on their original programming. Enough to have picked up quite a few series, actually. Including mm-hmm. Mozart in the Jungle, which is the one I'm also looking forward to, because Gael Garcia Bernal is in it. And I like him. And so Bernard <laughs> Peters. Oh, well. Sold. It's, um, uh, Mozart in the Jungle is about um, a, a philharmonic orchestra and Gael Garcia Bernal is playing a fictional version of Gustavo Dudamay, who is the Colombian or Venezuelan conductor. So mm-hmm. I hope that they give some publicity. But... All right. Um, is anybody watching Forever? ABC's yeah. new show? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect show to hold your clothes to after they've been ironed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I. I you always need a show to have on in the background while you're doing more important things, like yes. work. And yeah. I think Forever is the perfect show for that. <laughs> because it doesn't require you to pay much attention. You can look yeah. down for five minutes and look up, and you won't have missed much. Not really, no. And my, my concern after seeing the pilot, I saw the pilot back in August, and I think Hulu had it for free, um, was that... Okay, Ian Gruffid seems to know what kind of show he's in and that it's insane and crazy and fluffy and kind of campy. And Abe seems to know what show he's on and the other forensic dude definitely knows what show he's on. I'm not sure everybody else does. <laughs> no, it is that I think there is some conflict going on there. Ian Gruffid is not a, a dynamic presence, but he's pleasant and he has his actual accent, which is nice. <laughs> yep, and, well, and he can wear the hell out of a waistcoat, so mm-hmm. there is that. I think that certainly as the the season has gone on, and I'm a couple episodes behind on that, um, the female detective who has a name... That none of us remember. I'm none of us remember. Um, well, because I only know Harry's name because he says it on the intro of the show every time. Henry. I think Henry. you forgot it. <laughs> Um, I think she is 
coming around to no, this is not a serious show and playing it completely straight is not actually the the right thing to do here. Oh, um, it's a little too pat like, oh, I totally know the answer to this question because I handled something like this 75 years ago. Um, but, you know, it's a fun little show. It's a pleasant addition to the CBS men at 10 p.m time slot and he can wear the hell out of a waistcoat and he's got a charming smile so i'll take it i watched that show basically exclusively for abe and henry which and this is revealed in the pilot so i'm not really spoiling for anybody but i mean the premise of the show is that this man is 250 ish years old and he's immortal because every time he dies he comes back to life naked in a body of water despite the fact that his clothes disappear with him with his dead body don't 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 think about this yeah don't, don't complain don't, about don't, it either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, during world war ii he adopted a baby who was orphaned when his parents were killed in a concentration camp uh and that man has now grown up in his 70s um but they still have that you know father-son relationship and i just think the both actors who are obviously like the reverse ages play the hell out of it and it's really sweet and charming and that's the reason. Those scenes are the really the reason. It's a stronger element of the show. But it is never going to be... It's never even going to be elementary-level television. Oh, even God, no. Clearly, no, television no. wants to be, like, elementary with immortality. No. But it's, it's pleasant. I mean, it's so offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like Yuan Griffith and his, his Welshness and his waistcoat. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah. It's nice to see him yeah. on television. Because he was a terrible Reed Richards. But he was a really great Horatio Hornblower. He was a yeah. great Horatio Hornblower. Jamie Vamber was in that too. He was. He was so baby-faced. <laughs> the most surprising thing about Forever is that it's not on CBS. <laughs> yeah. It's an ABC show. Are you sure this is on CBS? The only reason I know it's on ABC is because of that uh, Nathan Fillion, Ewan Griffith, uh, Men in 10 yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. Promo. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. The the new shows that we were really counting on Raiden, but she's only seen the one pilot. The the women in the government segment. Right. State um, of affairs versus have, Madam Secretary. I do have Madam Secretary on the TiVo. I have not watched any of it yet. Sorry. The I, promos I catch make me want to. So I think I'm gonna catch up possibly during the mid season. Hmm. Right. Well, Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder had their their mid-season finale breaks. Um, as Linda Holmes says, winter finales are not a thing. Stop making it a thing. It's not a finale. It's not a thing. Stop it. Um, but Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder are now on hiatus until the end of January, so I will have uh, some time in my schedule to, you know... Oh, Scandal has been, has actually name-dropped feminism a couple of times in the past couple of episodes, so. <laughs> what about How to Get Away with Murder? I know we talked about this in the previous show, but it is a new show this, this it's season. It's a new so. show this season. It's soapy, campy, ridiculous. It knows exactly how ridiculous it is. Um, and Viola Davis can sell the hell out of pretty much anything. And has shown her with her natural hair 
without makeup a couple of times, which for black women on network TV is nothing short of revolutionary. Tumblr has taught me that apparently they made an entire scene out of her, like taking off, you know, the yes. wig and the, and the yeah. eyelashes and like makeup and look at your natural self. And it seemed powerful from the clip. Yeah, it was it really, really was. It is a really fun show. I mean, it's, it's Shonda, you know, she knows this, this is her ground. Right. I um, mean, she's not the showrunner. She's just the executive producer. No, but her fingerprints are all over this. Oh, it's totally all over it. Um, I, I just I, want credit where credit is. It's pretty people. It's over the top stories. It's Viola Davis living for every moment. And then there is Alfred Enoch and his big puppy eyes. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't, isn't this the show with Dean Thomas's abs? Dean Thomas's abs, like, this is what happens when you cancel Quidditch is, you know, <laughs> kids go off to America and become baby lawyers and involved in murder cover-ups. So how much more fun the show becomes if you actually imagine this is Dean Thomas? Oh my god, so much. At that least 20%. To exist. <laughs> you know that fanfiction is somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It is also a show that is incredibly brazen in its approach to the depiction of gay sex. Particularly oh, yeah. oh yeah. No, we definitely had an implication of rimming between two dudes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and there has been more um, more gay sex on that show than straight sex. There doesn't seem to be an episode that's gone past without some kind of gay sex, which I love. I'm not mm -hmm. complaining. The most recent one, uh, they didn't really have time. Or gay sex. They just revisited some straight sex that had already been talked about. It still counts. <laughs> <laughs> I will be amazed to see how the show continues with this momentum because it is pretty breakneck speed with this with the, the central plot line, which is yeah, ridiculous. It's total. It's totally ridiculous. And like I said last month. I yell about the legal stuff on Twitter and then people are like, you understand this is a fictional TV show, right? And I'm like, you understand this is what I do for fun, right? <laughs> Why are you trying to structure my experience? <laughs> um, we were talking about state of affairs and Madam Secretary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never promised coherence. <laughs> I just want to point out that Having, I, I know I haven't seen either show, but the promos tell me that State of Affairs, yes, is actually a show in which Catherine Heigl shows up into the Oval Office in a pink dress and fishnets. Yep. For a meeting well, with the president. Completely, it was a color-blocked pink and black dress, but yeah. Yeah. That happened. But uh, how much of State of Affairs is just straight-up fan fiction between Scandal and Homeland? So far, all of it? <laughs> Like all of it, I mean, we have um, Alfrey Woodard as the president of the United States, which is awesome. And I, I put State of Affairs on my list to at least give a three-episode trial to, because I wanted to support shows with female leads that especially had black women in power. Mm -hmm. Um. So it, it's definitely got a three-episode trial for me, and. 
you know, it's the silly, soapy, campy stuff that is pretty much my crack, so here we are. Although, I do not believe that anyone shows up to the office with such, after a night of ridiculous anonymous sex with her ponytail hold that I do not believe that so, is, it's a bridge too far you know you just said black, shows with black women in power and I just thought of something I can think of three shows I think off the top of my head right now police procedurals where the police captain is a black woman and I wonder if that's almost now a TV convention that Law and Order the Mothership has established because that seems Probably. like like a role uh, now that you know TV casting directors are very comfortable giving to a black woman mm-hmm. the, the particular authority slot yeah I would agree with you there uh, what else is new this year um, I originally gave Red Band Society a three episode trial then I gave up at one and a half episodes I, th- I think I was is- going to try a couple more things but just no this, this year for me was mostly returning shows yeah uh, I gave up on Red Band Society as much as I love Octavia Spencer and I do, I do I really really do but pretty children having terminal disease I, uh, it was too too treacly for me isn't she supposed to be in a Murder She Wrote remake what happened with that I think uh, well that was stupid because that would have been awesome. Yeah. I'm going to give 60 seconds to this. I'm not going to give any more. Stalker is evil. <laughs> it is vile. It is insulting. It is incredibly misogynist because it's badly written. It is exploitative. It is woman shaming. It is upsetting. Fuck Kevin Williamson. And somebody save Maggie Q. <laughs> Don't watch it. It got renewed, and every single person I watched it, it got renewed. So all I can say is, you people are part of the problem. You can't have nice things in this world. You don't want anyone to have nice things in the world. The following is at least trashy. The following at least has... James Pure sex? Kevin Bacon and James Purefoy, who have a, a smidgen of understanding of what kind of show they're in. You can at least be a little, like, teeniest bit camp with that central idea of the following. You can't do that with Showboat Stalker, which includes a male detective who at one point asks a woman, why do you wear sexy things if you don't want men to notice? He is in charge of the stalker division, and he asks that. He jokes about being stalked, he jokes about stalking women, he treats his female counterpart, who is Maggie Q, with nothing but contempt and he is supposed to be charming this is a show that opens with a woman being poured something glass gasoline and set on fire that's the first five minutes not even first five minutes it's evil and I, 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 I'm not jumping to hyperbole here it really is there's nothing about that show that didn't leave me sick to my stomach it is repulsive and ev- literally every critic agrees Unfortunately, viewers do not, which is why you all suck. I'm making my... I'm not even disappointed, I'm just mad face. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. What's returning? Let's talk about Sleepy Hollow a little bit. 
Because that was a show we were very happy with last season. Are we still happy this season? I got Ichabod playing Call of Duty or whatever online. Which is, which is kind of delightful. That, that 30 second pause should tell you something, listeners. Yeah. We really uh, want I to am, be happy. I am behind. The and sophomore slump has hit hard, I feel. It really mm-hmm. has. Which is so strange because for that first season, that showed you exactly what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And what it was going to be. And that was so rare to see that in any new show, but particularly one that is doing this kind of balance between procedural and fantasy and urban and crime and uh, the bloody cop kind of um, you know dynamic they had there. It knew exactly what it was doing, but now... I don't know what happened. Did they get cold feet? Mm-hmm. So part of the problem, which a recent episode, the either the, the one just there or the one before that, a little bit fixed. So they added Lindy Greenwood, um, Abby's sister, Jenny, to the show as a regular, but then like they literally did not have her in any episodes for at least, what, three or four of the eight yeah, to nine that have aired? Yeah, episodes behind, and I haven't seen her for at least two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they likely had basically a Mill Sisters episode uh, just air, and it was really good and went to background with their mom. Uh, it had a lot of Jenny and Abby, and not uh, the guys were just kind of holding things in the background for them. <laughs> so that was nice, but yeah, before that, it became really noticeable that there was just no... Abby or Jenny, like no Jenny and none of them together. Uh, they really neutered at this point the Headless Horseman. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the big bad. And I know there was like, they always hinted that there's like a demon behind it as a big bad. But now the Headless Horseman is, you know, a whiny lovesick teenager who does nothing, is not threatening, is not even remotely any kind of threat. Uh, not that I'm complaining as kind of the John Noble upgrade. But... Everything is better with John Noble. It is. Yeah. It is. He but has just sh- such an interesting presence on television. I wish he was given... I wish he was given season one material to work with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, the way they try to bring Katrina in is did not quite work, and it's just a uh, show... I, I, I really hope when they, it comes back... It, it's not... Um, off, I think it has two episodes before it takes its hiatus, but I'm not like holding my breath for these next two ones, and I'm hoping it kind of finds its footing again on next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love you, Sleepy Hollow. We believe in you. We yeah, want we... to. Are you giving us a signal? Do you need to be rescued? <laughs> we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> uh, Shield is a show. Um... Let's see, S.H.I.E.L.D. I had some better episodes, some worse ones. Yes, but we're getting some tantalizing glimpses of Peggy Carter, which starts on January 6th. Yeah, they've they've really made use of the fact that, you know, they're filming Agent Carter as is, so they can afford to film lots of flashback to the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. show and just kind of to insert into S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. I think they've made very good use of that, and I'm happy that they did. I'm uh, so excited for the, just the cast of Agent Carter alone. Yeah. Exactly, and apparently 
Haley Atwell has been like beating the shit out of the stunt <laughs> That's hilarious. Look it up on Twitter or Tumblr, you guys. But it's just a non-stop string of uh, Haley Atwell going like, I re-apologize to the stunt guy for kicking you in the nuts. And I'm really sorry I broke that prop. And I'm sorry I actually punched you instead of all you. Like, oh my god, woman, is there a thing on that set you haven't broken? Agent Carter said has gone zero days without an Atwell incident. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I think she's wonderful in that role. And I'm so glad that... I think Marvel are once again knocking it out of the park, not just with their movies, but with what they're doing on TV. Mm-hmm. Pay yes. attention, DC. Pay attention, DC. Also, we get a Captain Marvel movie, and I'm so excited. I know. And a Black Panther movie. And yes. a Black Panther movie. We've been... Uh, I've been fan casting the hell of the internet has been fan casting the hell out of the Captain Marvel movie, and I don't. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's been confirmed or just strongly speculated that she will like Black Panther, who will show up in Captain America three. Captain Marvel will also be in an earlier movie, possibly the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Yes, please. So they might not have the entire you know four years to cast her. They might only have like a year and a half or two years to cast her, which is great because it will. Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, I'm throwing my hat in the ring for Natalie Dormer. I'm throwing my hat in the ring for Anna Torf. I would be happy with any of these. But yeah, the, there are lots of good choices. Um, I'm going to link this in the show notes. There is, uh, I believe, a comic book resources poll that has a lot of choices. It lists, I think, at least 20 names. Like, they really kind of... But um, when I looked Just at keep it... Keep in mind, Internet, based on her rank... She is over 30. That's what I'm saying. So the interesting thing about that poll is the, they obviously chose kind of the two, three, or even four actresses from kind of each generation. So they'll go as young as Saoirse Ronan and Jennifer Lawrence, which no. No. And then kind of the mid-ages of Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt uh, She was originally supposed to be Black Widow. And then they go... I Probably Kate Blanchett is one of the oldest women in that list. Mm. <laughs> um, I think so like it's interesting and I would really love for for her to be somebody who's like 40 yeah 35 you know I really wanted to be, I I really hope I don't think they'll go very young like I don't think they'll go early to mid-20s you know this isn't gonna be Blake Lively as whatever that character's name was like that was horrible <laughs> Um, Honestly, but I'm... I think Marvel's casting is pretty on point. Well, I say that they haven't officially cast any that comes back to Doctor Strange. Yet. Please don't. Like, you still have time to change that. Please pick yeah. someone else. Please. Um, yeah. We already have Arrow's white Rezal Ghoul. Mm-hmm. Which. That shows Nisa gave me hope for better casting. Oh, show. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm picking Anna Tor for those not familiar with the name, but probably are familiar with her as Olivia from Fringe. Um, particularly to me, uh, the scenes she had as kind of future, uh, future Olivia, the black timeline Olivia, where it's like five, I think, or ten years in the future from the all of the Fringe storylines and kind of the authority she had as an older like, commander. I, th- I think she'd be great. I have Tumblr GIF sets to support my point. <laughs> but Katie Sackhoff obviously leads all the points. She's kind of the fan favorite that a lot of the internet has latched onto. And she was great as Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. Right. She deserves a good role. Mm-hmm. What's she been doing lately? I don't know. Has she been in anything? 
the last um, thing I saw her she, in was Pitch Black. Yeah, Three. she was in Pitch Black. She was in the Bionic Woman that I don't even remember which network tried that, and that was like eight years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. She's apparently on a TV show called Longmire. Oh, yeah. I really only ever heard about that from her Twitter. Um, oh, and Black Panther, by the way, listeners, has been cast. I'm sure our listeners know. Everybody follows. But we're not talking about possible casting because that's already done. And everybody's been pretty happy with that one. Yep. That is some flawless casting. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Chadwick Boseman. We think you're awesome. <laughs> and he is apparently dating Nicole Bahari. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Flawless couple. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, but we were talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. originally. I was going to say that uh, plus and minuses, I think it's now that it's coming to a head with its um, kind of arc storyline, it's getting a little more interesting. I really like what Colin McLaughlin has been doing there. Mm-hmm. And yes, listeners, we are aware of Twin Peaks. Right. <laughs> so aware. So um, weirdly, this show, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. arc storyline has to do with the Inhumans, and the Inhumans movie isn't until much later in uh, Phase 3. It's like 2015. 2018, yeah. sorry, what am I saying? 2018 in um, the Marvel storyline, so how the show, whether the show is just going to like feed into it eventually, or whether it's going to be a running arc for some of the movies, we don't know. We'll see. I mean, I trust them to know what they're doing. They've managed to tie the show into Captain America pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, someday I would love to sneak into Marvel offices and just see their murder wall. <laughs> I, they have to have an epic one. It's going to turn out to be like that that episode of Sherlock where the murder wall is actually all in um, Joss Whedon's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he better not die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I'll briefly mention Grimm, uh, which I still really I think that show is underrated. I think it's it's been doing great. Um, I, I've realized recently how some of the characters, particularly uh, the, the girlfriend, quote-unquote, Juliet, whom I didn't much like in the first season, has now really, like, the writing's better for her and the actor's grown into the role. So there's, there's a lot to like about that show. And people who like that kind of, uh, genre show um, and, th- and you know find maybe the, the visuals appealing through the promos really do try and like give it a chance Gr- Grimm is a good show mm-hmm. and it's I think it's still going strong yeah I wanted to mention Selfie really quick I know <laughs> it's it's already been cancelled um, I caught up on all of it a couple of nights ago and you know the show wasn't good but John Cho and Karen Gillan had amazing chemistry and I would like to watch them Pygmalion at each other all day long and she's so pretty and he's so so pretty I'm so that show got better because that pilot was insufferable oh that pilot was terrible it got better and the the rest of this season will be available on Hulu according to the showrunner so at least at least we'll get the whole season hooker biker <laughs> and they're so pretty and they have just their timing together is incredible 
I'm glad. I feel like John Cho really deserves to have mm-hmm. a top-notch leading man career. Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely does. does. Or at least a Sulu spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Give that man something to do in those movies. Yeah. Right. Alright, um... I, w- I just want to give a shout-out to the best TV show of 2014 so far, which is last week tonight with John Oliver. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, true. By Absolutely. far. That man has taken that show and run with it. It is flawless. Um, yeah, people, do yourself a favour and at least catch up on YouTube. It watch the football segment. segment on YouTube, so, you know, you have no excuse. <laughs> just watch the Salmon Cannon. <laughs> or watch the Miss America segment, or watch the FIFA one. Watch the yeah, ball. the FIFA. Yeah. It is that wonderful mix of comedy, satire, politics, and actual activism. Mm-hmm. He is encouraging people to actually go out and do something. Which honestly, I I think something that the Daily Show really missed out on because John Stewart was so willing to just jump back and be like, no, don't take me seriously. I'm just a comedian. And I think John Oliver understands that he can't do that. Mm-hmm. He's actually like, you know what? If you want to do something, you can. Just go here. He'll cloak it in comedy, but the seriousness is still there. You know, when every statistic and poll tells you, you know, a demographic of, what is it, the 18 to 25s or even 30-year-olds, all list your show is the show they come to for news, maybe it's time to accept responsibility rather than shirk it. Indeed. Yep. So we, we love you, John Oliver. You are just brilliant. <laughs> we are proud of you in this country. We are waving your flag for you. His Scottish independence segment was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave, Scotland! Don't leave! He is also open to doing so many musical numbers. <laughs> Pouring one out for his homies as well, which made me laugh so hard I actually had to slide off the chair a little bit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of people who need to get their own show, Jessica Williams. Yes, I understand because Colbert is wrapping up soon, right? He's being replaced by Larry Wilmore. Yeah. I think John Stewart is going to be wrapping up soon. He has moved into directing. Rosewater has received warm acclaim. It's it's seen as an earnest debut. There is potential. It's clearly something he's passionate about. I think he has been burnt out for The Daily Show for a long time. Give the show to Jessica Williams. Or at least give her a really big role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is just, right now, one of the best things about The Daily Show, which is a show I don't keep up with unless there is a Jessica Williams segment. And all the best Jessica Williams segments, which is all of them, make it on Tumblr as serious drift sets anyway. Do it, Comedy Central. Do it. Do it. I'm excited to see Stephen Colbert be himself. I, it will take so much getting used to. I know. <laughs> I'm also, I am cautiously optimistic for Craig Ferguson's replacement, who is James Corden, mm-hmm. who is a big star in the UK. He was in The History Boy, he was in Gavin and Stacey, he has hosted numerous TV shows here, and he is about to appear in Into the Woods, which is not a movie that is happening. It doesn't exist. That is not a thing. That is a fever dream of Johnny Depp. Nothing else exists. Well, it's not a real movie. People aren't going to see it. I'm not sad over it. I'm really not sad. It doesn't it's a, hurt me. It's, it's alright, Kaylee. We'll, we'll, we'll get you through it. Have you seen the pictures of Johnny Depp in it? 
I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Oh. It's alright, it's alright. The Hobbit is coming. The Hobbit is coming. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh... I'm okay. Yeah. Also, the uh, live-action Cinderella has Richard Madden in it. It is basically a live-action version of every single element but, of that. But, but it doesn't have Whoopi Goldberg and Spy Daddy being married. Um, I know. It does have Kate Blanchett, who is going to chew that scenery. Yep. Wait, how in the bottom Carter? Are they gonna like? Is there gonna be enough scenery left to chew? No. She will b make the scenery and then chew it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh has extra scenery just waiting. Yep. <laughs> it does look pretty, but it is basically Disney just saying, "Hmm, we need money." Could we make money? B because Disney need money. Oh, speaking of which, Big Hero 6, excellent, has a, a satirizing Marvel secret scene, secret scene at the end. Stay and watch it. It's hilarious. It also beat Interstellar at the box office. Yeah. Good. I, I would mock that more, but I'm scared of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> oh, um, somebody make the breaking news sound. Somebody make the breaking news sound. Da-da-da-da. Tom Cruise courted to co-star in Highlander reboot. No. Why? Oh, thank God. At this point, the interest appears to be one-sided. <laughs> there can be only one, and Tom Cruise is the one who Summit Entertainment is courting to play the Sean Connery mentor role in its Highlander reboot. Multiple individuals familiar with the project have told the rap. Why? Why are we rebooting Highlander? Why? Well, we reboot every fucking thing else. There can be only one, except all of the sequels on the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the excellent animated show. Oh, oh, that is... oh, I needed that. That was beautiful. Wait, who's going to play the Highlander then? Well, no longer Ryan Reynolds. He was attached to it and <laughs> walked out due to creative differences. <laughs> there are actors in Scotland. I was going to suggest Jared Butler, but he only does a terrible movie. So actually, he'd be perfect for this. Yeah, exactly. There he are actors it. in Scotland. <laughs> They're all in Outlander. <laughs> that is the he did um, Jared Butler. He did the celebrities read mean tweets. And he said, does Jared Butler have student loans to pay off? He only does shitty movies. He says, No, I don't have any loans to pay off. I just oh shitty oh oh oh. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Kevin McKidd. Oh oh, isn't he in Grey's Anatomy? He's still in Grey's. We can save him from that. Can't we? Yeah, I'm sure we could. And I mean, lots of actors make movies in between, like, the filming yeah. breaks, the summer breaks, or whatever they, they call them, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. We will find a Scottish actor, I'm sure of it. There are more than four of them. <laughs> you sure? And they're not all an Outlander. They're all queuing up to be an Outlander, but they're not all there yet. Because if they cast I Craig Ferguson, I might actually watch it. Scene, every Scottish actor ever is an Outlander. They will eventually be. I mean, yeah, right. Right. which is it, McDonald? Which is it? Are you lying then or are you lying now? <laughs> so, 
Oh, you know, though, this this is a movie that has now cast Sean Connery and now Tom Cruise in the role of a Spaniard, so... He's not okay, Spanish, he's stop. Egyptian. First or Egyptian. Off, they have not cast Tom Cruise. They Second, they may not necessarily keep him as a Egyptian-born pretending to be a Spaniard with a Scottish accent. <sighs> Plus, we all know what's just recently been in the theaters and it's come, or it's coming out in theaters and the, the, the Noahs and the Exoduses and the floods and... Yes. Hollywood, you are doing badly. I saw the trailer for White Moses when I went to see um, Interstellar. That, that trailer is just the entire movie. You don't need to go see it. Yeah, I'm pretty much. I feel, I feel pretty good about it. Oh, Ridley Scott. I remember when I used to like the movie. <laughs> I still like Gladiator. I just... Mm-hmm. <sighs> In conclusion, Arrow, Stephen Amell's been wearing his shirt too much. But Brandon Routh took off his. Stephen Amell's been wearing his shirt too much. That is true. Tune in next year when we'll be talking uh, about Maz Mikkelsen in leather on a motorcycle. <laughs> it's going to be a really fun podcast, isn't it? It's just going to be long, wistful sighs. <laughs> I mean, the clashing of keys on the keyboard as we Google pictures. Yep. <sighs> Nobody loves us the way Brian Fuller loves us. No, that is true. No, no, baby, he treats you right. He knows what you want. Yeah. <laughs> you want a shirt with Dane? He'll get your shirt with Dane. <laughs> <laughs> It'll even be the shirtless stain you want. <laughs> because it's the shirtless stain he wants. <laughs> that sounded so bad. But I'm not wrong. It's close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Does that cover pretty much everything we wanted to talk about? Mm -hmm. I don't think we can talk Tom Cruise talk anymore. I'm afraid no. that we look, we've hit our peak. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell my parents that one. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yep. Yep. Alright, well, this has been episode 26. Tune in next month. We'll be talking about another thing. We don't know what. Possibly Peter Pan on NBC Live, by the sound of it. Oh, well, we're going to talk about that, whatever the topic is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and definitely tune in on Twitter on December 4th. <laughs> it's just going to be the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. good night, everybody. You have been listening to Anglophies, a made of fail production.